Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Back to the key issue here, which is the question of the of, of banning the import of oil and gas from from Russia. You know, it is not insignificant. Uh, we actually take in more petroleum from Russia than we do from Saudi Arabia. Uh, so, so the ban will result in, and, and it also obviously affects the world supply as well. So you'll see oil go from not $100 a barrel to $150, maybe $200 a barrel. But it's extraordinary, George, for all of the, uh, the sanctions that have been imposed, and they have been unprecedented uh, on, on Russia, to sanction everything but the thing that drives their economy. Yeah. So John McCain, uh, is, you know, John McCain used to say that... that um, Russia was a gas station masquerading as a country. And it was a great line. That's all they have. They're not wrong. So why hasn't Joe Biden gone about engaging sanctions on Russian oil? And are we prepared for that to happen? I mean, you take a look at these gas prices. Brent crude is right now, as we speak, $122 a barrel. And that's down from a tie of 130 The estimate's 200 you, you, you think I'm kidding? You think I'm off base? You think that's somehow a, a bit of hysteria? Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! I'm starting to wonder whether or not that's low. Gas of $5 a gallon? I mean, I called my shot this morning on my morning show. Let me bring it again. Absolutely, the vast majority of the country. The mass, the average price in America, before you know it, is going to be at $5 a gallon. And still we have people who are all about saying sanctions on Russian oil, which is only going to drive the price future, uh, drive the price up, which is stunning. We're going to get into that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. But what Jonathan Carl there on ABC is discussing, and that line about John McCain was said by uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, is that Biden cannot lead. Biden has no policy. Biden said severe sanctions, and we haven't seen severe yet. We've seen sanctions, not the severe ones, if they can still sell oil and we can still buy their oil. And, of course, if there are no sanctions against Vladimir Putin himself. This all because of what's going on in Ukraine. And the war effort there continues. And it is going to get far worse before it gets better. A ceasefire? Eh, not really. I'll share a conversation I had with Major Mike Lyons in just a minute. The bombing still taking place. You have 1.7 million refugees out of Ukraine. People trying to find a place to shelter, which brings up part of the problem with uh, the the whole idea of a ceasefire to begin with that the Russians are saying they are going to honor to help the refugees get out. It's not happening. The bombing is still taking place in in Mariupol, in in, in Kharkiv, of course, uh, the siege on, on Kiev, the push uh, to get Odessa and therefore maybe a launching point for for Moldova. While the Russian military has failed on multiple levels, and it's pretty dang embarrassing, they're still beating up Ukraine. Ukraine is fighting back? Of course they are. 
Of course they are. That Ukraine is somehow succeeding? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not lie to ourselves. The Russians are beating the crap out of Ukraine. And the more the sanctions happen, South Korea suspending the Russian central bank, Visa MasterCard, they're not going to allow processing uh, in, in Russia, the more they continue to engage. The more the fighting continues. So earlier I spoke with Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army West Point graduate military analyst. We got a little bit more into this idea of this uh, this ceasefire, what it means, what it doesn't, and, and, and exactly how things are getting positioned and, and Biden's leadership. Because how this is being positioned and Biden's leadership matters greatly to the very idea of whether or not there's a way out. With the ceasefire that's supposed to be happening, there was supposed to be a ceasefire uh, late last week that never took place. We have 1.5 million refugees, Ukrainian refugees now in Poland and in other places. They supposedly are back to ceasefire to get refugees out, but there's still shelling going on. What are the areas that are taking the hits right now? All of them, basically, uh, the, the Mariupol in the south, even Kiev in the north, in, in the north um, you know, uh, every single city is subject to this right now where they're soon going out. I, we cannot trust the Russians to put any kind of um, humanitarian effort into letting them leave. And, and, and the fact that uh, they just haven't, you know, for example, closed off those western corridors there um, goes to show you that they're just limited on this. I think they're just taking advantage of targets of opportunity. Uh, they don't necessarily see civilians there in these places um they're just terror bombing the cities knowing full well that they're trying to you know get them to to acquiesce but but in most cases that their cities in the south um we saw an unfortunate family that was killed um, live on television or you know we saw that film last night uh that came through what i find there is the ukraine soldier has got to have the same empathy and compassion and trying to defend their, their country and now they're helping civilians they're just stretched to the max right now no question and, uh, and doing all they can to you know save their country Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army military analyst. This is where, uh, sir, it gets nuts. If you tell me that the Russian military is just sitting there, if you tell me the Russian military, uh, you don't know if they're refueling or they've got a logistical issue. If you tell me that they're a bunch of bumbling, stumbling fools, yet they're still killing people, yet they're still on the attack, yet they're still engaging. Which one of the American people is supposed to believe that the Russian military are a bunch of fools and we could seriously go in with a no fly zone and put an end to this? Or this is a military that can do massive damage and they will indeed take the country if we don't send planes to Ukraine like we're trying to shuttle get let let the let Poland send the MiGs to Ukraine we will resupply Poland with new american made uh, fighters and then the ukrainian people will actually be able to fight for themselves which one is it yeah, a couple of good points. I'd say, first of all, they have numbers. They brought 190,000 troops to the battlefield, so they, they have numbers that are allowing them to fire strategic weapons. They're not still engaged in close combat. This is not the Russian soldier you know, taking out civilians with tanks and buildings. They're nowhere near these cities. All of these attacks are coming from strategic weapons over the horizon, uh, not indiscriminate, with no real precision targeting or any of those things. And uh, they have those numbers. And in fact, it's more being unlucky 
lucky because there are still many people that are able to get out. That's number one. But number two, that idea of actually, you know, having Poland give um, those airframes, those MiG airframes over to Ukraine pilots, if we can get them there to fly them in, is a great idea. We still can't put in this no-fly zone. American forces can't in any way get, uh, get involved with this uh, because it then gets directly con- confrontational between Americans or, let's say, NATO forces and Russian forces. So there's, there's this fine line of escalation. We've already escalated it now past um, lethal aid, right? I mean, we've given javelins, anti-aircraft mi- missiles and the like. Maybe we'll bring in what are called Avengers and M-Shorads. So those are mobile uh, anti-aircraft devices. Uh, maybe we'll get to that spot. Um, but we just can't cross that line of we actually pulling the triggers there. So, um, I, you know, again, this is more of a, a numbers game. They still have a tremendous amount of numbers that they brought to the ta- brought to the battlefield. And uh, we've just got to use the time on our side to try to get uh, the, our weapons and, and things back into the hands of the Ukraine citizens. And we're talking about weaponry. We are not talking about soldiers. The, the, the conversation about the no-fly zone continues to be a big one and you hear people in this knee-jerk way discuss we should have a no-fly zone but a no-fly zone as people like senator marco rubio have i think explained it very very well the senator from florida you're saying that we're going to have to shoot at russian migs you're going to have to shoot at those troops on the ground who are deploying surface to air missiles you are engaging us in a world war what is the take right now on a no-fly zone in at least the eastern part of ukraine well, the bottom line is we have the fact that the Ukraine Air Force is still flying 12 days after the start it is somewhat of a, a small miracle given the, what the Russians, again, should have capability of being able to do. They didn't take out their anti-missile defense systems. The Russians didn't take out the Ukraine's missile defense systems prior to its starting, didn't destroy air, airframes on the ground. Um, Ukraine smart got them in the air and moved them around, moved them to airfields that they didn't know about. They've been hitting, hiding those planes. Um, but, there, again, there's just no way that we can do that because the other part of that is not just engaging air to air it's engaging air to ground we would go after those on the ground that would look to shoot down our airplanes as well also a no-fly zone doesn't guarantee that we'd be able to shoot some of these cruise missiles that you see flying over um that's like you know hitting a bullet in the middle middle of the air that's a lot more difficult uh now we should that's not to say we shouldn't put our patriot missiles and other air defense platforms along that now it's going to be a very hard um eastern nato border um with with Russia, but um, but again, we've got to just give these weapon systems, the Stingers, the the Shorad devices, the Avengers, give those things to the Ukraine military, have them come over through that Polish border, and and let them have it. Before I, before I let you go, you brought up the idea of diplomacy, and of course, this is a conversation. I have no issue with Israeli Prime Minister Bennett, uh, you know, trying to get this this done. I don't think there's a harm in it. Um, there's been the conversation of you need to give Russia an off ramp; they need a way out of, of this. Then there's the conversation that Putin doesn't seem to want a way out of this. He wa- he wants this, and as as I think it's Poroshenko, the former Ukrainian president, who is actually fighting on the front lines. Uh, uh, Putin's a madman. He has just gotten worse with time, and there is no reasoning uh, with him. But in this conversation of diplomacy, what is it, based on, on your analysis, that you would like to see and from whom? Well, let's say, you know, again, it's that third-party shuttle diplomacy that comes in. Um, 
the question is now what does it look like and what what does ukraine accept for the fighting to stop and will vladimir putin accept um let's say ukraine gets redrawn he's he claims it's he's never accepted it as a country um, I, I don't think you're going to be able to redraw it though based on the ground that he's taken so far because we can't ukraine can't go from a nation that had once had access to the black sea to not have access to the black sea so that doesn't make any sense they still haven't really taken odessa yet either which i think is why that's what their focus is going to be because let's say putin does get that and he surrounds the country landlocks it maybe then he's, he's arguing from or he's going to negotiate from a different position I, but i just don't think it's going to matter tony i think he's going to continue to go until until it's more evident that he's losing um and he's just it's just going to continue to go for for a very long time this could go months uh and i'm not even sure he's interested in that off ramp anymore which does put again every day he, he's there it puts him more in peril of staying as the leader of russia so that was major mike lyons retired United States Army uh, military analyst. The the very idea of whether or not Putin's interested in an off-ramp, well, this goes to a lot of what we've discussed, that this is a very, very emotional thing for him. Taking Ukraine is about rebuilding Russia, and he is serious about it. Not wanting an off-ramp, I think that maybe with a better level of diplomacy, people who knew how to bring it and certainly fear of what happens if you don't could make him change his mind, but this is not what we have in the United States right now. This is why elections have consequences. But I I don't believe that Putin is done. I believe that that emotional uh, feel, that emotional connection for him will overtake all the things and everything. If you missed any part of this, I've got more of this to share, and, and I'll put it up uh, at TonyKatz.com so you can you can hear the full interview. Uh, there's also the conversation of how this affects all of us, and these gas prices, these energy prices, consumer confidence, it's all there. Uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, is scheduled to be with us coming up in a little bit, and we will break things down with him. In the meanwhile, Rachel Walensky of the CDC has been talking And wow, do they have a whole new view of how we were supposed to view COVID. A whole new, full of crap view. That story is coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So Walensky is somehow convinced that she can now convince you that the policies put forth regarding COVID, well, no one ever said they were one size fits all. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I always, CDC's guidance is public health, right? We, we are, um, we provide guidance that has to be implementable in New York City and Navajo Nation and rural Montana and Guam, right? That's, that's the, the, the spectrum of our public health recommendations. And increasingly through this pandemic, um, people have wanted our public health guidance to say to them, can I visit grandma this weekend? Um, and so that's, you know, it's very, and, and you know, I, I have equated it before to like, nobody goes to the CDC guidance to say, can I have the fries and shake shack today? You know, <laughs> and, but that's what they really want from us um, in this moment. Uh, right? <laughs> 
The destruction of society was freaking hilarious. What is she doing? I We need to, producer, I'll send you the clip. Um, uh, this is uh, Rochelle Walensky laughing with her nervous laugh. Now, what's worse, that or this? What are you laughing about? America couldn't get out of bed because of you. Couldn't get to work because of you. And how about that vaccine in and of itself? Improved. Um, well, you know, I think, I can tell you where I was when the CNN feed came, that it was 95% effective, um, the vaccine. So many of us wanted to be hopeful. So many of us wanted to say, okay, this is our ticket out, right? Now we're done. Um, so I think we had perhaps too little caution and too much optimism um, for some good things that came our way. I, I really do. I, I think all of us wanted this to be done. Nobody said waning when, when you know, oh, this vaccine's going to work. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe it'll work. It'll wear off. Um, nobody said, well, what if the next variant doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as potent against the next variant. Um, and then maybe the other thing I'll say is this area of gray. Um, I have frequently said, um, you know, we're going to lead with the science. Science is going to be the foundation of everything we do. That is entirely true. I think public heard that as science is foolproof. Science is black and white. Science is immediate and we get the answer and then we, you know, make the decision based on the answer. And the truth is science is great. And science is not always immediate. Wait a damn second. Science is great. We were told that, that the vaccine is the only way to stop the virus. We were told that the mask absolutely stopped the spread of COVID. Go out there and ask the people. What the hell is this? What is this switch, this twist of the gaslighting? My goodness gracious. A vicious mother, isn't he? My God. That's obscene. But it's nothing we haven't come to expect, right? Nothing we haven't come to expect from these people who said anything they felt like saying because they knew they were going to be backed up 5,000% by a media that if you were to say anything else, you were called anti-science and getting grandma killed. And now it's like, well, science is gray. No kidding. These are the ugliest people. Reason why people don't trust the institutions. What's the trust in the markets? Economist Dr. Matt Will scheduled up next. We will break this down. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So the markets... They're down. But the oil prices are up with no end in sight. 
Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. The Dow has fallen over 700 right now. At Dow, They're down 664. The NASDAQ is down 300. Meanwhile, if we take a look at oil prices, right here, uh, we've got Brent crude at 122. That's down from a high of 130. West Texas Intermediate. At 117.50, that was well over 120 just a few hours ago. Canada is saying, hey, we can replace Russian oil. It's okay. So once again, it's a conversation about a lack of energy independence from the United States because Joe Biden and his team refuse to engage it. As a matter of fact, as Axios reported, Joe Biden is considering a trip to Saudi Arabia. And this trip to Saudi Arabia would be to build up our relations and then convince them to pump more oil. The problem is, is that we think that the inflation is being caused by what's taking place in Ukraine. That's not factual. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I think I may have already said hello. I forget sometimes. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist with the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box right there. You take a look at... Um, at what we're seeing right now, the, the, the market where it's at, the oil prices where it's at. Should we be taking a look at markets? Should we be taking a look at oil? Should we be taking a look at commodities in general? Or should we be taking solely a look at inflation rates? Well, uh, Tony, I think it's a combination of everything. Uh, people don't understand, you know, Russia's cause, you know, we import 8% of our oil from Russia. So, yes, it's going to have an impact on us, and it should. But the fact is there's a lot more going on than this. I and mean, we have EPA regulations on oil production that came out today. Today, Tony, there's going to be more restrictions on oil production in the United States. In the middle of this situation, they're issuing regulations in that area. They're banning the exploration of oil in the United States. There's not renewing of leases. There's growing dependence on Saudi Arabia and Canada and Mexico for our oil. Tony, there's a lot more going on here than just what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine. So we're really into a, a conversation about policy, about theory here. Is there any theory? I mean, I, I have a take, certainly, and my, my, theory, my, my thoughts about Joe Biden and this administration. But let's say uh, economics, uh, you know more than I do. You're, you're the economist, I'm not. Is there a theory? that getting OPEC or Saudi Arabia, getting Russia or some other, or Canada, to produce more oil, that's a better philosophy for us and our economic growth than getting our own, engaging our own drilling, engaging in fracking, and having United States energy independence? You know, Tony, I, there might be, but I don't understand what the logic could possibly be to let another country uh, force us to be dependent on them. You know, former Mayor Ballard was very adamant about trying to eliminate reliance on foreign energy. You know, people may recall some of the green initiatives he put were not because he, he was against oil, but because he was against reliance on foreign energy sources. And so this theory that somehow it's better to get our oil from somewhere else just doesn't make any sense to me. Talking to Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. This, uh, the market's heading down. It would seem to make sense. They don't know what's going to happen. You've got a, a war at, at play. It leads to a, in, instability. But is the market telling you where the instability is coming from? Is it, is it all about Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Is it about American response? Is there something else at play? Well, Tony, I think it's a response to all of the above. 
Because, yes, Russia is the major impact on this. Let's make, make no mistake about it. Because right now, Russia accounts for, like I said, 8% of our imports. And if you look at a gallon of gasoline, Tony, you know, the, the barrel is up to $122 a barrel. Well, that translates into about $4.50 at the pump. And if it goes up, you know, like I saw a tweet you did earlier about what if it hits $200 a barrel? Tony, if it hits $200 a barrel, you're talking at $6.24 at the pump. Wait, is and that how that it? Is not unrealistic. Hold on, hold on. How, how do you get to the number? Because I said it's going to go over five. You just said it two hundred equals six twenty four. How does two hundred dollars a barrel equal six dollars and twenty four cents for uh, regular unleaded at the pump? There's forty two gallons in a barrel, so that comes to four dollars and seventy six cents per gallon. That's just the oil, and the oil is just part of it. You have taxes, refining, distribution, and profit, and that adds about another dollar and forty eight cents uh, per gallon. So you get six twenty four, Tony. See, that's why he's the economist, people. See how that see how that works. So, uh, but the idea of two hundred—that's not. I mean, I've seen this now in a couple places. What would stop the the only thing that seems to me to stop the oil prices from going up is more oil and supply and demand being very very real. That doesn't seem to be the case. That we're going to see well, more it, oil created, or 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 I should say, uh, barreled. No, it, it, it doesn't, Tony. And, you know, you made the statement about Biden going to Saudi Arabia, you know, the, the place where they're killing their journalists and putting them in barrels and throwing them in the ocean. Yeah. So that's the country he's going to go visit to ask for their help. And th by the way, they're not interested in helping us. They thrive on high oil prices. Their cost to produce oil is pretty expensive. So they would love these higher oil prices. They're not in any mood whatsoever. They have meetings, Tony. Their meetings with OPEC are designed around how do we increase the price of oil. They're loving the situation right now. They're loving the situation, but are they going to now pump more? Are they saying, are they playing the game of no, we're good, everything's fine, only proving that we need to have more uh, independence right here in the U.S.? Well, I don't know, Tony. Let's think about this. Biden is going to Saudi Arabia rather than the Saudis coming to him. So who has the powerful negotiating position in this situation? Talking to Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Now let's come back to the United States and let's take a look at what we're seeing here. Let's take a look at the um, at, at the at the strategies at, at the policies that we have. Certainly, we have a policy that says no Keystone Pipeline. Certainly, we have a policy that says we are not going to engage in fracking. Certainly, we've heard Speaker Pelosi saying she is not a fan of drilling on public lands, as if somehow she'd be a fan of drilling on private uh, lands. Uh, these policies, as as we know they are, and certainly they don't seem to change, how much are they taken into account, Not on, never, never mind on, on the world stage, by, by uh, those here in, in the U.S. And, and what kind of pressure comes uh, to these, these policies saying, hey, this is actually now a, a, an issue of, of national security. That, that you're placing us in. These policies can't bring us any value at all. Is is there something that the markets do, people like yourself do, and say, whoa, 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 you can't you can't have this. This this provides us this provides such a disincentive for us that it actually endangers us. But Tony, I, I think that the question is how much did the policymakers listen to the market? The market thinks and I've I've heard policy or market analysts say recently, oh, we're gonna expand our use of uh, nuclear. We're gonna expand our use of new refineries. Tony, we haven't put a, built a nuclear plant or had a new refinery in this country in about forty years. Those and there's no prospect that that is gonna change anytime soon. 
These policymakers do not care. The fact that the EPA came out with a new dramatic regulation just today in the middle of this crisis tells you they are tone deaf to what's happening around them. Nuclear now is not like it was 50 years ago. Generation four plants are safe and clean. This is one of the cleanest forms of energy you can have, and they're extremely um, independent of anything else going on in the world. Yet this administration is not in favor of policies to expand refinery production, expand nuclear energy, or any other clean technology such as natural gas or liquefied natural gas. You know, I'm asking a question about uh, markets more than specific uh, economic questions, but we, we've seen Visa and MasterCard say they won't process in Russia. American Express has done the same. CNBC is running a headline right now about McDonald's having uh, a lot of uh, exposure to Russia because of the number of stores they have in 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 Russia. Um, the do these um, things like if, if Visa and Mastercard we're not going to process in Russia. How do that how does that affect U.S. markets? Does does McDonald's having a lot of stores in Russia uh, affect the markets here and how people view that stock? It, it does, Tony, because we are an integrated global economy. And I am very proud of these companies that have stepped up and said they're going to lose sales. They're going to lose profits because they're not going to do business in Russia. That's a big deal, and, and I give them credit for that. The, our administration isn't doing the same thing. They've given an exemption from the SWIFT system for the two banks that handle the most Russian oil transactions. Spearbank and Gazprom Bank are still on the SWIFT system. Those are Russian banks that are processing dollars for oil that this administration is saying, no problem, keep doing it. Good, good, God bless, you know, McDonald's for saying we're going to take a hit and not going to have uh, business uh, transactions that we're doing in Russia. Good for them. Has anyone suggested that these the, 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 the increase in the price of oil, the the economic hardship that it is now uh, Im- implying, the, what's happening with the banks, does this, you know, you've brought this up on the show. You've actually said recession on the show. I don't even call it the R word. We say things as they are. You've called it recession. Do these moments, as we're seeing them, lead America to recession, or is that something separate of what's happening? Tony, it's it's not separate um, because I believe, and I said this before, that we're heading towards a recession regardless of this. But this will expedite the process and make it worse. And I think politicians will use this as an excuse, just like they use COVID as an excuse for bad policies, especially in the supply chain. I think they're going to use this as as an excuse for the recession and say, well, we wouldn't have had a recession if it weren't for the Ukraine-Russia situation. Not true, Tony. This will make it worse. This will make it more rapid. But we're going to have a recession. And you know what? God bless, again, I'm using that phrase again, Europe for standing up because they see a war on their doorstep. They get over half half of the exports from Russia go to Europe for oil. And they're when they want to put the squeeze on Russia. Good for them. I mean, they're taking the brunt of this, not us. By the way, I mentioned that oil prices right now were at 122 for Brent crude, and 117, almost 118 for West Texas Intermediate. Uh just a, a few hours ago, Brent had hit the high of 147.50, and West Texas was a high of 147. So clearly, actually, I should take that back. The all-time highs were 147 uh, in July of 2008. So that's the that's where we're at, right? We are we've already hit 130, and it seems very obvious to me 
Dr. Will, that those 2008 highs, like the, the, the 2000, was it 2014 high of $4.10 a gallon on average across the country, all these things are about to be broken. We're going we're gonna to certainly go right by $4.10 uh, gasoline, never mind in our, in our Indianapolis, but across the country on average, we're going to well pass $147 a barrel on WTI and Brent crude. I think that's highly possible, and I think at least we're going to surpass the maximum when it comes to price per gallon. But I I do think one thing. I do think it will be short-lived, and by short-lived, we're talking maybe six months or so because – there are places in the world where production can be ramped up, and, and not the United States, unfortunately, but other countries will step up to the plate, Canada being one of them, Mexico being another. I mean, the administration is even talking about letting Venezuela sell oil to the United States, and in their Iran negotiations, they're hoping Iran can produce some oil. How bad is it, Tony, when our policies say we're going to look to Venezuela and Iran for our oil? Our policies are dangerous and certainly don't do anything for uh, America's uh, national national security, and that's part of the problem. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you being with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. In the midst of everything that's going on, Brittany Griner has been in jail for three weeks. She plays in the WNBA. She also plays basketball in Russia because there's a tremendous amount of money to be made in, in, in Russia. As the story goes, Brittany Griner was found with a vape cartridge with hashish oil meaning she had some kind of illicit drug on her as she was trying to return to the United States. This happened three weeks ago. She got arrested. She's been in a Russian jail for three weeks. And we only found out about it this weekend. This is insane. She faces five to ten years in a Russian prison if she's convicted. I had sent this story to producer Ari. I'm like, this is this is clearly, you know, political tit for tat. You're not going to allow uh, Russian athletes to be part of of a junior hockey league. We're gonna we're gonna hold a, a U.S. basketball player. We're gonna we're gonna hold her in 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 jail for a while. But then it happened three weeks ago. He sent that to me. He's like, "What is this?" And I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea what this is. And I I start with with a basic theory: Vladimir Putin cannot be trusted. At all and in any way. Vladimir Putin cannot be trusted at all or in any way. It just can't be done. Secondly, if, and and producer Ari, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll make this nicer if you feel you need to. If Brittany Griner actually had some drugs on her and tried to get back to the United States. She's the dumbest person I've ever met. (laughs) Do you know how criminally stupid that is? I don't use dumb or stupid on the show, but I'm sorry, no other words apply. You're stupid. No one wants to hear about what you think or how it was prescribed by a doctor. You're in another country. You're not in the U.S. Handle yourself. And third, I don't actually care overall. I just want her home. Because you don't get to hold Americans when you're engaged in a war against Ukraine.
Just not going to work. Now, if you say to me, Tony, are you willing to go to war over Brittany Griner being held? Well, how many Americans are you willing to go to war over? Because I personally am more than willing to go to war over one. Even if she had the drugs. We talk about Otto Warmbier. Remember North Korea? Was I willing to go into North Korea? Absolutely. Does it take away from the fact that Otto Warmbier stole something in North Korea? It's important to learn that your feelings don't matter. You got to know where you are. You got to understand your surroundings. Open your eyes, kids. Before what they did to Otto Warmbier, there is nothing that I wouldn't do to North Korea and to Kim Jong-un on national television so the people of North Korea could watch that no-good fatty be humiliated. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to call him fatty. Huh. No, no, no. I saw what they did to Otto Warmbier. There's nothing I can't do to him. See how that works? See how that works? Gotta get Brittany Griner home. Just one more layer in this story. Meanwhile, Biden's trying to make a deal with Iran, and you won't believe who the proxy is. That story's coming up. I'm Tony Katz.